can you turn me down a little bit? Uh, uh, David, can you turn uh, all the way over? Uh, just turn it down a little bit. The one that's number one. Yeah, just turn it down a little bit. In the the big box. No, no, no. Uh, one, one second. Huh? It's fine. Okay, don't worry about it. It's fine. I just thought it was loud. Uh, so my name is Christian. For hello, welcome, Todd. I didn't meet you before, and. Uh, Yes, I think yeah, I met other people before. Uh, so my name is Christian. I am part of the leadership and the pastor here. And uh, we're in the middle, and, well, we're at the end of a series in Zechariah. So you can uh, go there in your if you have, if you have a Bible. We'll do chapter 11 today. Uh, but just in case you uh, you just want a little bit of background of where we are, um, Zechariah is prophesying between like 520 years ago, before, not ago, before Jesus came. Um, we have an outline here of uh, where it's at. Historically, God's people has, has been a pretty rebellious people. And one of the things Moses uh, was told, no, it's not, it is Moses, uh, before they go into the land, is that uh, if they follow God, there'll be a blessing. If they refuse to follow God and uh, do as the people that had lived in the land, then there'll be a curse and God will spit them out of the land and they'll go into exile. Now, unfortunately, those things uh, are tr come to be the truth and God's people rebels. God after a lot, a lot, of, a lot, a lot, a lot of patience, uh, first takes away Israel into into um, into uh, captivity. That's the northern part, and then Judah goes later. <clears throat> so that's actually uh, where uh, the. Where the story we are in is that uh, a pagan king, uh, compelled by God, tells the 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 cap uh, what are they called the Israelites captives that they can go back and rebuild the temple. Now, the challenges with that is that they don't have a country anymore. And uh, when you send people back to an area, uh, there's other people living there. And they're not like, hey, I'll just move over and uh, let you come in. Uh, so they meet a lot of opposition. And uh, also the kingdoms around are not like, hey, yeah, great. You guys want to rule over us. Uh, so what happens is they come to a city that's mostly destroyed. And the people that live in the areas are not really willing just to move over. Um, so they start and built the, the altar. And uh, yes, can you do that? Thank you. Uh, I'm number one. Um, uh, um, I, that's not because <laughs> it's not because it's the channel. That, sorry. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, 
so um, first they built the first they built the altar, and then things kind of stall. And then they're asked to build the temple. Yes, thank you. Uh, instead of build their own houses. Um, then they stop building the temple. Then the enemies come in and, it's, and, and, if, and, and stop it. And then uh, Zachariah and Haggai come and like, inc- try to encourage the people to build the temple. And so that's kind of where we're at. It, it's a destitute po- people who's been scattered, who's now called back into a hot situation. And Zechariah comes and brings these, some would say strange visions of what will be and what has been and what is coming. And um, today, today we're going to be in this, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be this performing arts uh, thing. It's going to be breaking of staffs. It's going to be acting out. It's going to be becoming a shepherd. It's going to be all these things that the prophet's going to do. And so the prophets, if you're new to the prophets, they do different things. And so in this case, as he's done one time before, he is actually physically going to do things and become some things. And so we read that, but he was actually act out the signs. Um, yeah. And okay, so there's just a few maps. They were in Babylon. They uh, come home there. Some of the names of areas. And you see, it's very small. You know, Judah's very small at this point. Um, so little area that they have compared to what they used to have. Um, if you look at your Bible, uh, we're, this is the Old Testament, and we're moving uh, towards the New Testament. We will be over there. And so we have Haggai, Zechariah, and it's Ezra, the historical books, Ezra and Nehemiah have just, Ezra's just been and Nehemiah overlap, and you have Esther in the middle. Um, So that's kind of where we are in the story of this story. Um, Zechariah uses a lot of the imagery uh, from Ezekiel and from um, Jeremiah. And so we also talk about that today, the shepherd uh, metaphor that God uses about his people. <laughs> With all that introduction, we will now read together. And uh, so we will read chapter 11 as I put on my glasses. <clears throat> First three verses I probably should have done last time, but I didn't, so you get them now. But. Open your doors, O Lebanon, that the fire may devour your cedars. Wail, O Cyprus, for the cedars has fallen, for the glorious trees are ruined. Wail, oaks of Bashan, for the thick forest has been felled. The sound of the wail of the shepherds, for their glory is ruined. The sound of the roar of the lions, for the thicket of Jordan is ruined. Thus says the Lord, my God, become a shepherd of the flock doomed to slaughter. Those who buy them slaughter them and go unpunished. And those who sell them say, blessed be the Lord, for I have become rich. And their own shepherds have no pity on them. For I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of this land, declares the Lord. Behold, I will cause each of them to fall into the hands of his neighbor, and each into the hands of 
his king, and they shall crush the land, and I will deliver none from his hand. So I became a shepherd of the flock, doomed to be slaughtered by the sheep traders. And it took two staffs, one I named Favor, and the other I named Union. And I tended the sheep. In one month, I destroyed the three shepherds. But I became impatient, impatient with them, and they also detested me. So I said, I will not be your shepherd. What is to die, let it die. What is to be destroyed, let it be destroyed. And let those who are left devour the flesh of one another. And I took my staff favor and broke it, and knowing the covenant that I had made with the peoples. So I was annulled so it was so it was annulled on that day. And the sheep sheep traders who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord. Then I said to them, If it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as many they weighed out as my wages thirty pieces of silver. Then the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter. The Lord be price of which I was priced by them. So I took the thirty pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. Then I broke my second staff union and all the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. Then the Lord said to me, Take once more the equipment of a foolish shepherd for behold, I am raising up in the land a shepherd who does not care for those being destroyed or to seek the young or heal the maimed or nourish the healthy, but devours the flesh of the fat ones, tearing off even their hoofs. Woe to my worthless shepherd. Woe, deserters the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye, let his arm be wholly withered, his eye utterly blinded. So thus encouraged, we go to the text again. Okay, so what's going on? Well, I kind of should, probably should have done three verses last time. There was kind of a little left over from what we have last time of God bringing judgment on the, on the surrounding areas and also on the people who rebel against him. Um, God will judge and he will judge the pride of those things. He mentions the things that the areas are most known for. So even in the Lebanon's flag today, they have a big cedar. And God will say, well, uh, those things, you cannot trust in those things. Those be ruined and those trees will be burned. All the glory that's not of God's can be taken away. Even the fertile land and the forest can be cut down. God removes his blessings from those lands. And we hear the sound of wailing of the shepherds. Their glory, glory has been ruined. God has taken away what would be, what could have fattened their sheep and other things. Those things have been taken away. 
you have uh, you have the lions also roaring. So either it's because they have uh, their habitants has have taken away, or it's a symbol that judgment is coming, that the lion is roaring. The shepherds, not necessarily in great, uh, what do you say, care for the flock, more that they've lost what they had inherited. What they was what, what that was theirs. In verse four, we see this one of these uh, sections where it changes, where God comes and speaks uh, <clears throat> to Zachariah and say, uh, maybe not the job description most people would want. He says, "You are supposed to become." A shepherd. Oh, okay. Well, okay, I can kind of be a shepherd, but you're going to be a shepherd to people that are doomed to be killed or sheep that are going to be doomed to be slaughtered. And God continues and he says, and the people that are going to respond to this they will say oh this is great I don't really care about the flock because I can become rich making money off of the sheep that will be slaughtered they will have no pity on the flock they will be like even thanking God that they can have and slaughter these animals so that they can have money and riches that's their pride and go not necessarily to tend the flock and care for it. They even give glory to God for what seems to be opposite of what maybe their job was supposed to be. Then God in 6 again breaks out in a in um, judgment and say I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of this land I will call the, cause them to fall into the hands of each other and in, in, in the neighbor and they will crush the land and God says I will deliver none from their hand so God allows God asked Zechariah to become a shepherd, but it's like it's not really going to go well because God's going to remove his mercy from those from them and none will be delivered. Only people would rejoice in the opposite of what God does and say that they have become rich. Then after God speaking to him in 4 through 6, and then in 7, he says, well, I became the shepherd of the flock doomed to be slaughtered by the sheep traders. So he accepts 
the he accepts from God the the role that he's supposed to do. And this is like now we see this uh, prophetic uh, sign act that he's doing. So he becomes a, a shepherd, and then as a shepherd, he has he takes some sticks or like um, you have your rod and your staff. We talk about them in the Bible. And so you that can lead lead the um, the flock around. He also names the staffs uh, union and favor, and then he goes and ten, and then he goes and tends sheep. This is a little bit interesting because the guess is that this guy is not a shepherd. He, if he's something, maybe he's a descendant of the priests. So we have this guy who has been walking around bringing oracles of God, prophets of God, and then, well, they've seen him act out stuff before. So then he acts out again, he becomes a shepherd. Maybe he's not really qualified. But then he becomes a shepherd. Uh, It doesn't go well, though. (laughs) It doesn't go long. Uh, he He becomes a shepherd, and in the first months, he uh, he, uh, <laughs> he he destroys uh, three shepherds. Oh, wow! Uh, this guy—he's uh, an aggr- aggressive dude. Uh, so he becomes a he becomes a shepherd of a doomed flock. Somehow he gets in gets into these uh, quarrels, uh, fights, battles with other shepherds, other leaders. And he destroys them. So, so what happens? Well, it is not. It is not. It, there's not a great response either, <laughs> because the, as he's done that, they they respond with. Uh, well, he get, becomes impatient, and they detest him, loathe him, hates him. So, so this relationship has not gone on for long. It's been one month, and then. Then we we see in the next verse in in nine we see I won't be your shepherd like God had just said like he, God withdrew his mercy his his blessing on the people and I said I'm not going to deliver everyone and here Zechariah acts this out he says I won't be your shepherd. Whatever will happen will happen. Those who's going to die are going to die. Those who's going to be destroyed are going to be destroyed. And what's left over, they will devour one another, the flesh of one another. Then he takes one of his staffs and he goes, took my staff favor and broke it, annulling the covenant that I made with the people. So in a sign act, he takes his staff, breaks it, and says, this was the favor you had from God. Now that is gone. So what, is, what do we see here? It's, it's God asking, Zechariah to act, act out what God is doing and has done. God has done, I've been so patient with you. I've been so kind to you. I've been so good to you. I've been so patient with you. But now I have broken my favor with you. So it's judgment and chaos. The shepherd is rejected. This is a picture of the coming true shepherd. 
The one that tries to shepherd but is rejected. A failed one. Jesus is the one who will be slaughtered. The one who will judge and the one who died was also destroyed. This is the picture of the shepherd metaphor that we see God use about him and his people. As we go to verse 10, uh, uh, oh, that was 10. 11. The oppressors, uh, he says to the people, Okay, I know I acknowledge the covenant with you, um, and as he breaks this, as he breaks his stick, the people at sea, he breaks his stick. They they know that this is God. They know that this is God's word being acted out, as it says there. And then he says, "If if it's good to you, then pay me. I worked, so pay me. <laughs> but if you don't think it's okay, then just don't pay me." And then, then we get this uh, strange price that we hear about in the New Testament, and Matthew's going to talk about it. They weigh out and give him 30 pieces of, of silver. And so if that's, a, if, that's for his, if that's a month's wage, that's pretty good. But if it's for his whole life, it's really not that good. Um, so they do give him the money. And they give it to him. But then something happens in 13 where God says to him, throw it to the potter, the lordly price of which I was priced by them. And he throws them into the house of the Lord to the potter. So what's going on? He just got paid. God tells him to take the money and throw it into the temple. And it's the lordly price, which... uh, most people agree is very ironic since that price is the price of a dead slave in the Old Testament. So it's not really a great price for something. Um, but then God asks him to throw it away into the temple. Throw it to the potter. Throw it to the poor. Maybe you have heard about this before. So already now, <laughs> Zechariah has played the role of, well, potentially played the role of the good shepherd, the betrayer, and he will play more roles. So he, he plays all these roles of who is going to be. So this one is uh, from, uh, oh, I guess it's a good one is maybe the one you remember after Judas has found out that Jesus uh, is going to, on trial, Judas goes back, or now even before he goes and asks, hey, what can I have if I betray Jesus over to you? And so they say they will give him uh, 30 pieces of silver. But then when he when he sees what happens to Jesus, he goes back and he says, I have betrayed innocent blood. Here's the money back. And they're like, we don't want your money. And then he takes them and he throws them into the temple. Now, because it's blood money, they can't use it. 
so the priest can't put it into offering, but they can take the money and buy a field. That's called the potter's field. So we see this prophecy come to fulfillment in what Jesus did and how Jesus was betrayed. Um, just a little bit. Yep. Then he breaks the other staff, and we see that the union between the brothers in Judah and Israel has been broken. When we look back in the history, we see it's because Solomon was unfaithful to God, had lots of wives, they drew his heart away, and concubines, all sorts of stuff. God was faithful to Solomon, but his son, he tore away ten tribes to the north, and to the south. they were split. And then there were then, God stops the first wars between them, but after then, they keep fighting and fighting and fighting and the northern kingdom has no good king but is mostly known for their idolatry and most of the prophets actually are in the north trying to call back God's people to himself then in 15 we have God saying take once against the equipment of a foolish shepherd okay so now before he was a good shepherd now he has to be a foolish shepherd Foolish can also be translated, or sometimes in the Old Testament, evil, wicked, bad. And he says, you are now going to act out as a symbol of a bad shepherd who doesn't care who gets destroyed, who doesn't heal or care for the young, the maimed, the merged or health. And some will even do really evil things like tearing off their hoofs. So in this, in this sign act, or a prophetic sign act, he has, as we, as we can see, he, he takes the role of the good shepherd. He takes the role of the betrayer, Judas. He takes the role now of people would say the evil shepherd who will come and destroy. People would say that can also be the Antichrist and all the evil leaders that lead up to destruction. So he acts out all these characters in this short time as God will talk to his people about what he is doing. And then we have this cry of woe in 17 where God is going to declare woe already on the worthless shepherds who desert the flock. And God's going to like, may the sword strike his arm. May his sword strike or may he also go blind. This is, I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not the most artistic person. I'm not. I don't. I'm not. I don't like. I don't understand art. I just like just paint what it looks like. I get it. And I don't always understand performing arts and all those things. But reading this stuff, I mean, if you are that way, this must come alive in like a great way. You see, and even it must be super weird to be the people seeing him. It's like, isn't it the guy just walked around saying we should build the temple and now he's a shepherd. Now he's breaking their singing staffs. Like, what is the guy doing? But apparently they knew that it was the word of the Lord when he breaks the first staff. 
So they're listening to the guy, and they're like, okay, what does all this mean? What is this going to do? What, what is it that he's doing? Why this great emphasis on shepherds? Like, who cares? Like, not a, like, well, I did have a guy called Appiah. He he had sheep, but that's a long time ago. But and he didn't he didn't live right here. Um, but this picture is a picture of God and His people. The relationships too. Matthew picks this up and he's not in doubt. He's, he definitely believes that this is a pro, this is this, this, when this happens with Judas he's like this is what this passage means. This is this is what it means. This is what Zachariah was saying. That somebody was going to betray the good shepherd. It's this we see again this people rejecting God. The leaders not leading the 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 the, the, the people put in, in in to lead the people, not leading the people, but towards God, but instead for position, selfish gain, riches, influence, fat, so they can get fat on the foods. They live for all these other things than God. They're living for God's created stuff instead of God's. When we look at the metaphor, or who's actually our shepherds, we know from the Old Testament that Jacob, David, they are shepherds. And Jesus also. And they actually talk something about it. If you remember when the story of David and Goliath, David says, like, yeah, it might be a short dude, but man, I killed lions and bears with my hands when they came to take the sheep. That's a good shepherd. He, bring, he risks his life for them. But Jesus talks about it um, in this way. Also from John. Jesus just talked about he is the only way. But then he talks about the ones who have come before him. And he says, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, see the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He cares nothing. He is a hired hand and cares nothing for the flock. Then Jesus says about himself, well, first he says something about other people, Everyone who came before me are thieves and robbers. The sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If everyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. What does the good shepherd do? the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You see this great, great, great um, contrast to the hired people, if there's danger, will run away. I don't care. It's not my sheep. To Jesus, who's, 
who says, I will actually lay down my life for the sheep. So we see this great contrast. We see that this is what also Zechariah has been talking about in Zechariah, about the king that will come, about the branch that will come, about the good shepherd that will come. The shepherd that takes up the fight, as David did, and as Jesus did. Jesus did it differently, though. He sacrificed his own life for the sheep. Some of the questions also Myers has talked about when we when we come to the Bible, when we do our devotions every day, when we want do we okay, first of all, do we really want to know who God is better? Do we want to do what he asks us to do? We just saw a great contrast between evil shepherds and good shepherds. We can see the care Jesus has for us in his sacrifice and his love for us. But I wonder if we see the same every day of our lives. Do we see that? Do we see that Jesus cares? That Jesus is alive and he's well, right at, at the right hand of God the Father. He's still the good shepherd. He's still leading and guiding, caring, praying for his people. And he's still the good shepherd. That he cares. Praying for his people, making a way for us to come to God to become his children, not by our own works, but by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. So we've heard this, some of you have maybe heard this many times before. But how does it hit us today when we hear it? And also, what do we think about the bad leaders that lead, and maybe you see them a lot. <laughs> maybe that's your boss, no, <laughs> sorry. Uh, maybe, maybe you see them a lot in the news. The one who's in, in it for selfish gain, money, fame, etc., couldn't really care less about the people they lead. What a contrast to the grace and love that God has shown us in Jesus. How, how do we respond? Are we overwhelmed with that? Like, are, is our hearts, eyes open so we are so overwhelmed with that? Or is it sometimes like me, you get, you get so overwhelmed with the bad shepherds and all the bad things that happen that you just stay, like, come on, God, this is so stupid and frustrated. But nothing changes with that. It's not until we overcome every day that that joy and radiance of who Jesus is will come out of us. And people are like, why are you so... Strange. Well, because I know there's a lot of bad people and bad, strange people, but I have been overcome by the Good Shepherd who 
loved me and laid down his life for me. So we can be an odd people wanting people to see who the great shepherd is who was sold for a ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous price of a dead slave but transformed all things by his obedience to the Father. He does what nobody else did. He actually obeys God all the time perfectly. And then at the hardest time, he asks his father, uh, is there another way? And God is like, you know the way. We agreed this before time began. This is what you're doing. He's like, Lord, I will do your will. Not for selfish, shameful game. To the honor of God and to the glory of Christ and for the good of us. So how will we respond when we look at our own lives with this? When you are put in leadership, how do you lead? How, how do we do that? Who, 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 who do we follow and why? When I look in the mirror, do I see a bad leader who, who when something bad happens, I'm going to run away and they can take care of themselves? It's always somebody else's fault than mine. Let them suffer even though I'm responsible. I was struck by them. I was struck by this that I think a lot of also what Myers talk about having our eyes opened is like the extreme importance of Jesus. That the Jews and a lot, a lot of other people kept rejecting God in the Old Testament. And when Jesus came, he was rejected too. They were so zealous to do the will of God or at least their traditions that they didn't see that the king came. He was not the king that they wanted and he was rejected. I wonder if people do the same today. Like when we look at society, people say all sorts of things. They, well, you, there's obvious bad things, but then there's all these people saying all these other things. Well, I want to save the, this. I want to save this. I want to save this. I want to do this. Things should be right. And like I said one time, I'm not, I don't really like the word social justice because I think it misses something. And that's missing the justice of God. That all things are created for Jesus and by Jesus. It's not that so we can say, oh, everything's fair for all of us. No, because that's not enough. If even we as humans had divided up all, everything in a communist uh, a utopian, it would still be horrible says the guy who lived in communism but um, or he laughs but because it wouldn't be glorifying to God it would just be fake justice that we made and this is where sometimes we get to these judgments passages and people are like God's so like people over here God's so mean he's so evil I mean have you read the Bible God is the most patient ever like it's so good I'm not God everybody be dead immediately but God is so long suffering even today I'm reading the secret I take joy in the death, death of no people why won't you turn so you can live the caricature that God is bad because he judges is so I'm trying to calm myself down here is, is 
is a character that has not, no truth in it. And is, it is nothing like who God is. Does he judge? Yes, he does. And he needs to because there's so many, many bad things that happens. And so even as we look into these things of things that are still future, yes, God will judge. God will judge all the things that was done by the bad leaders who were just for their own gain, who were, didn't care about anybody else, who, who mistreated everybody, who did whatever. All these things that people even that are unbelievers can see as evil. Human trafficking, all these things, uh, slavery, and all these things, you know, bad things that's done, that will be judged. Absolutely. Because God is good and he's not going to allow that stuff to keep going. Now what does he just do it immediately? Because he is really, really kind and patient. And is calling people to return that they may have life. I keep, when, when I keep the thing that this is, I, it's not an endorsement, but this train, the thing train spotting is, like, says that I choose not to choose life. I choose death. I choose drugs. I choose all these things. Uh, but that's why we are over here in the light if we're in Jesus to show that there's something much better, that there is actually life. As Myers also said, there's actually not just life now, there's eternal life in Christ Jesus. I've come that they have, will have life abundant, not just life where, man, I can just, I can just get out of bed today. No, to come, come life that's so abundant overflowing that other people would see something totally different that they would see who Jesus Christ is in through our life that's the hope of the world that's been given by Jesus to been passed to us to show that there is true life that there is not only evil bad but Jesus is the good shepherd who's gonna take care of that and has taken care of that and that will be immediate, always perfectly judged by God and until then, we're here to shine this light and to say to people, why would you want death when you can have true life? And Jesus, turn, come to the good shepherd. Sometimes I reference this one Just like the bad shepherds, uh, lots of time, maybe we or other people would say, well, judgment, God's judgment is like when he throws down lightnings from heaven. Well, sometimes God's judgment is way worse almost, and he does what he does in Romans. And he says he gives people what they want. He darkens their brain and leaves them over to their own depravity. This is a scary form of God's judgment. It's not seen like that by other people. It seemed like, freedom, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> uh, it's not how Romans puts it. God gave them up to the lusts of their own hearts to impurity, to dishonor among their bodies themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than a creator who is blessed forever and amen like Paul when he flew but uh, this is like people are like oh God's so evil in the Old Testament this is where people should be really afraid 
to have their minds so distorted and get what they really should not want, but they get what they say they want instead of God. Because they did not want to believe. They only wanted to get God's stuff. They didn't want to worship God. And God says, here you go. Worship yourself and other people. That is a harsh judgment of God that your mind will be messed up and you cannot see God. But that's not the hope we have. The hope we have is that the good shepherd is the one who's been prophesied and acted out along with Judas the betrayer, along with the Antichrist and Antichrists, but also the good shepherd. Now we want to serve and worship the good shepherd and see how amazing he is and asks us, come into true life. Don't don't be acting out for yourself. Don't don't be don't be darkening your own minds. You know, come to true life in the true shepherd who actually cares for you, prays for you, made a way for you through his own blood, sacrificed on the cross, that you might become a child of God. May we again and again be overwhelmed with that and filled with great joy that God asks us to come into that union. One of the... I've taken a few classes. (laughs) This is the guy. He says about this section that I just did my best to explain what means. Uh, 11 to 14, 17, this is the most curious and widely interpreted narrative in the book. The prophet draws upon the shepherd's motif of both Jeremiah and Ezekiel. In essence, he holds up a mirror to the people to let them know their history. They have consistently broke covenant with God. What then will come to this people in the future? The solution may appear later in 13, where the shepherd is killed to benefit the flock. Sometimes, at least also in the Bible study, people get like, well, what does it mean? That's a good question. That's why we need our hearts enlightened by God. One thing we do know is that in this Bible, there are so many things that are so easy to understand that if we do them, they transform our own lives and bring us into close relationship with God. Like I said, it is never the things in this Bible that you don't understand that will mess up your life. It is the things we do understand that will change our lives and bring us closer to God. May the Lord open up our hearts and see him as more glorious. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that, Jesus, you are the ultimately good shepherd. You, this picture that we've seen through scripture, like you care, you have mercy, you, you intercede at the right hand of the Father, you love us so much that you 
went out of heaven into this earth you created and you lived perfectly obeying your father and getting all the punishment that we should have got to the praise of the glory of your father and for our good we can be raised with you as you raise in righteousness we can be adopted into your family by the Holy Spirit you open up our eyes each day to see how glorious you are so we ask that for all of us God I ask that you will empower us with your power I pray pray that you will help us believe that you are way more powerful than any evil you will help us as your agents wherever we are at work and school and different things to just to, to, to live out the beauty of who we are Jesus Give us strength and courage to know that you have the power. Or you, the power that raised you from the dead is in us. You're the one who saves. You're the one who can bring new life. You, have, you want that for people as well. You want that they choose life and turn. That you have no, no joy in the death of the wicked. But you have set us to be your lights here. And Lord, may you overwhelm us with who you are we will live it out we will believe it each day of our lives that you are near you are with you have the power you have the strength you set us to the people you want us to talk to family friends workers co-workers the guys at the bus stop and wherever we are Lord help us to love you help us to love the people you set around us so we will share what's most precious to us with them may you grow our faith and understanding of who you are and open up our hearts and minds to see you clearer and clearer. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you would like to talk or you would like somebody to pray with you, please just ask people around you, ask me. And then, yeah, don't run away. We have somebody to, we have uh, food, so don't run away. Um, so come and join us for food. Let's stand up and we'll have the benediction from Jude. So Jude writes at the end of his letter, he says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory majesty, dominion, and authority before all things, times, now, and forever. Amen. Amen. Just one thing, one reminder, if you, if you forgot from half an hour ago, if you have, if you are a member in Koinonia, please do not leave because we really want to make that film. And I was just wondering during the service, maybe uh, Mira, you can help uh, with translating Seconds. You could just subtitle You could just turn it on. Yes, come in and join. Uh,